grace to you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. I have to tell you, I really struggled with what to preach on today. After being here for seven years, what do I have left to say to you? So I figured there was one of two ways I could go. I could say amen and sit down. No, I'm not going to do that. Or I could preach through the whole Bible. And as I was trying to make a determination, my daughter was there and I said, I, I'm really nervous about preaching through the whole Bible. And she said, why? I said, it could be a long sermon. And she said, what are they going to do, fire you? And I said, no, they'll turn off the microphone. But to your relief, I am going to preach through the whole Bible today. And I've already paid the people to keep my microphone on. <laughs> now, I want to do something maybe different than what I've ever done. You know, usually when I preach, it's about a section of the Scripture, and we look at that, and we study that. But I do want to look at God's plan throughout the whole Scriptures. What are the Scriptures trying to say to us? And I want this to be about God today and what He has done for His people, for you and for me. So let us start in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless, empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be. And there was. God created everything we know in this universe with a word. For five days, he spoke, and it came into existence. But on the sixth day, God chose a different way to create. God left all of the glories of heaven to come down to this earth, to form with his very hands the body of a man, Adam, the earth, the dust. God came into the dust and dirt and mud of this world to create mankind. And he breathed into him his spirit. And that lump of clay became a living human being. Up until this time, God looked at his creation and he said, it is good, it is good. But on this day, after creating Adam and Eve, he looked at his creation and he said, it is very good. And he rested. God did not only create all that we see today. He also created spiritual beings angels and archangels 
and cherubim and seraphim. And one of those angels wanted to be just like God. He said, I'm going to ascend to the top of the clouds. I will make myself just like God, the Most High. But God cast him out of his heavenly home. He brought him down to the realms of the dead and the depths of the pits. And so that angel and all who followed him were cast forth out of God's presence. That angel goes by many names. The devil, Satan, the deceiver. And Satan saw God's creation and he saw it was very good. And he wanted to ruin God's creation. And he came to Adam and Eve in the form of a serpent because that was the craftiest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And this serpent, this Satan, this devil, this deceiver said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God gave us one command. One command Adam and Eve had. You must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. And that deceiver said, oh no, you won't die. You'll be like God. His sin was Adam and Eve's sin. We don't know how much later, we don't know how many times the devil tempted Adam and Eve. But then the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. It was pleasing to the eye. And it was desirable for gaining wisdom. She wanted to be just like God. So she took and she ate of it. And she gave it to her husband, Adam, Adam, and he also ate of it. And their eyes were opened and they hid themselves from God because now they knew sin, good and evil. And God's heart was broken. God used to walk and talk with Adam and Eve in the garden. And now mankind hid from him. And it broke his heart. And God had no other choice but to banish his creation. He said the man has become like one of us. He knows good and he knows evil. And we must not allow him to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life. Because if he eats of that tree of life, he will live forever. Can you imagine what the world would be like with all the sin and the evil we see if we would live forever? So the Lord God had to banish him 
Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. But God had a plan. From the earliest of times, God had a plan, and he promised them a Savior. When Adam and Eve leave the garden, we see what evil comes about. We see what happened in that fall. Cain says to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. I can just imagine him kind of smiling to his brother and saying, come on, brother, let's go out but he has evil desires and thoughts. And Cain attacks his brother Abel and kills him. And that wickedness grew and grew. And the Lord God saw the great wickedness of the human race that had come upon the face of the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And it broke his heart. And the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. And he was deeply troubled. And even though he regretted the creation, he is a God of creation and he had to do it. He was not going to completely destroy mankind because God had a plan. And so he saved Noah and his family from a flood that destroyed the world. And God continued his plan to send a Savior. And he called a man by the name Abram, Abraham. He was a friend to God. And God called him to leave his people and go to a land that he would show him. God had a plan. And he promised Abraham that one day his descendants would occupy that land and be as numerous as the sands of the sea and the stars in the sky. And Abraham believed the Lord. Abraham followed what the Lord Almighty wanted, and it was credited to him as righteousness. The Old Testament people who had faith in God were saved just the way you and I, who have faith in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, are saved. And God tested Abraham to make sure that he would continue to follow him. And he asked him to sacrifice his own son. And Abraham listens to God and takes his son Isaac to be sacrificed. Because Abraham believes that God can even raise the dead. And at that last moment, God makes a substitution for Abraham's son, a lamb. And a lamb's blood is shed for the sins of mankind. God had a plan. 
And he promised that plan first to Abraham and then to his son Isaac and then to his son Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. One of them, the 11th son, was sold by his brothers into slavery. And even though Joseph went through turmoil, sold into slavery, unjustly accused, thrown in jail, he continued to have faith in God Almighty. And finally, he's reunited with his brothers. And their father Jacob dies. And they come to him and they say, Joseph, don't be angry with us. Don't get revenge now. And Joseph says to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. You see, God had a plan to save his people. Even in the midst of all of the problems that Joseph faced, God was working out his plan. And Joseph says to his brothers, don't be afraid. I'm going to provide for you, for you and your children. And he reassured them the way God reassured Joseph, through all those horrible years, God had a plan. But the Israelites fell into slavery in Egypt. And God said to Moses, another man of God, I am who I am. He gives him his proper name, Yahweh. And he sends them back to the Israelites and he says to them, tell the Israelites, I am, Yahweh is sending you, Moses, to save the people. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And I am sending you to save God's people. And through miracles and wonders, God forced the Egyptians to let the people go. And they go out into the desert. But the people do not listen to God and enter the Holy Land because they're afraid. And God tells them because of that, they're going to wander in the desert for 40 years until that old generation that was relying on their masters would die out. So they would learn to rely on God alone. And God does provide those 40 years, thousands of people wandering in the wilderness. He provides for them manna, bread from heaven, but he keeps testing them because he wants them to remain faithful to them. And he says, gather only enough for one day's worth to see if they'd follow his instructions. And he even gave them meat, quail, every evening for 40 years. He fed the people. Their clothes never wore out because 
the Lord, Yahweh, is compassionate. Our God is a gracious God. Even though the people turn away from him over and over again, he is slow to anger. He abounds in love and faithfulness to his people. God's plan meant a Savior to come to those who worship him. So he said to the people of Israel, You are to be holy to me, because I, the Lord, am holy. He wanted them to worship him and him alone and follow his law. And he said, I'm going to set you apart from all the nations of this world to be my very own. And from you, that Savior will come. And when it came time to leave the desert and inhabit the Holy Land, God reassured the people. He said, be strong, be courageous. God is saying that to us today. Be strong, be courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified of the world around you. For the Lord your God is with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. And when Moses died, Joshua, his servant, takes over. And he leads the people powerfully into the Holy Land. And God reaffirms to him. He says, be strong, be courageous, Joshua. But also, be careful. Be careful to follow all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left so that you can be successful wherever you go. But then the story of the people of God continues. And after Joshua dies, they go back to the old way of doing things. And they forsake God. And then they have a period called the Judges. And over and over again, throughout this time period of the history of God's people, it says they did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. God said, remain strong, be courageous, don't be afraid, follow me. And the people didn't. And God, who bought the people back from slavery in Egypt during the Passover, sold them to the enemies. He allowed their enemies to take them over. Not because he was trying to be mean or cruel, but to get the people to turn back to him once more. And when they finally turned back to God and they cried out to the Lord, God then sent a deliverer, a judge, who helped his people. To everyone who remained faithful to God, no matter what their background, God made them part of his family. Ruth is a great example of that. She was a Moabite, an outsider, 
a non-Israelite. But she says to her mother-in-law, wherever you go, I will go, and your God will be my God. Ruth, an outsider, accepts Yahweh as the Almighty One. And she becomes part of the lineage of the Savior. After the judges, the people come to God once more, and now they say, we want a king over us. God was to be their king. And Samuel is hurt. And God says to Samuel, it's not you that they're rejecting, a prophet of God. They're rejecting me as king. But they want to be just like all the other people around them. God wanted them to be separate and different. But they wanted to be like everyone else, with a king to lead us so we can go out and fight our enemies. And God gives them a king. Some of the kings were very good. Some of the kings were very evil. Some were good to begin with and later became evil. It's the same old story. God offers his love, his kindness. He calls the people to follow his law, to follow him along. But time and time again, the people reject him. And they do evil. And God, in anguish, says, If my people, if my people who are just called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'm going to hear them from heaven. I'm going to forgive their sins. And I'm going to heal their land. That was God's desire from the time of Adam and Eve to reestablish that relationship he had with his creation lost in the Garden of Eden. God had a plan. He says, the days are coming when I'm going to make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. Then, just at the right moment, at the right moment in time, God came once more to this earth, into the muck and mire of a stable in Bethlehem. In a baby. In the beginning. We're back to the beginning. How did God create this world? With his word. But this word was very special, we're told. This word was with God. In the original language, it says it means he was face to face with God. But more than that, he was God. Through him, all that we know was made. 
Nothing was made without this Word of God. And in Him was life. Life in all of its fullness. And that was the light of the world. And that light shines in the darkness. The darkness, the evil, the people perpetuated over and over again. And the darkness can't overcome it. And then that word in that stable in Bethlehem became flesh. Flesh and blood in Jesus. God had a plan. And just at the right time, he became true man and true God. God's plan was coming true. And heaven could not contain the joy that night. And the angels burst forth in song. This isn't biblical. But in my mind, I can just imagine all of the angels in heaven saying, is it time? Has the baby been born yet? Is it time? Is it time? And then Gabriel announces, the baby Jesus, true man, true God, is born, and they burst forth in light and song. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father was born full of grace and truth. Jesus taught how to follow God's law. And he said, I am the light of the world. I am the gate to eternal life. I am the living water. I am the bread of life. But he didn't just say it. He proved it in his miracles, in his healings, in his raising of the dead, in the feeding of the people. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, when we could do nothing on our own to save ourselves, Christ had to die for the ungodly. Just as God gave Abraham that lamb to sacrifice, so God gave the world a new lamb, the lamb of God, Jesus who takes away this sin of the world as a sacrifice for all mankind. And God did that to demonstrate his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God doesn't say to you and I, change and then I'll forgive you. He says, I love you just the way you are. But turn to me, and I will heal you. I will forgive you. I will give you life in all of its fullness. And there's nothing that we can do 
to earn or merit this forgiveness. We are justified by faith, apart from anything, any of the works of the law. God, in the midst of the pain and problems, is working for good. He works for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean that everything is good, but God can work it out to good. But, and this is a big but, God's plan has not ended. You and I still live in a world that desires darkness and evil over the light. And God has given us a mission and ministry to fulfill in this world. Usually we have a children's message before the adult sermon. But I decided to put it right in the middle of my adult sermon today. And I'd like to ask all the children to stand up Parents, if you feel comfortable, I will, I will keep my distance from them. But can they come up here? Because I want them to see something I'm going to do. I'll stay away. But boys and girls, can you stand right there? Yeah, good. How many of you came to a Christmas service where they had the lighting of the candles? Yeah, because we remember Jesus is what? The light of the world. But you know, not everybody has Jesus living in their hearts. Some people are like this candle, without that light of Christ in them. And God says, I want you to share that light with all people. Now, if I take this candle and put it up to the light that we have in our hearts, is this candle going to go out? No. So I still keep the light of God in my heart. Look at what it says. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, as Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, that means his death on the cross takes away all of our sins. It purifies us. So let me show you what's going to happen when I put this candle, which isn't lit, in with the candle that is lit. If you watch very carefully, all of a sudden, the candle gets bigger. The light gets bigger in our hearts. So as we share Jesus, the light of the world, Jesus grows in us. And we share it with another person who can share it with another, and on and on. What? And another, and another, and another, and another. You bet we can. And then we all have the light of Christ living in our hearts. Boys and girls, let me pronounce a blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep each and every one of you, his very special little ones. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for helping me with this part. Anybody want to blow it out? Boy, they blew it out. <laughs> but we don't blow out the light in our hearts, do we?
No. <laughs> no. Over and over again, we see God loving his people and the people turning their back on God. But God doesn't stop loving us. He continually calling us back to his way of life. That's why we start our worship with confession and forgiveness. And God is calling you and I into this plan that he has this day. Dear friends, my friends in Christ, don't imitate what is evil, but keep that light of Christ alive in your hearts by doing what is good. Because anyone who does what is good is from God. And anyone who does not do that and does evil they haven't been, they haven't seen God. Brothers and sisters, don't be deceived. Even though we have salvation, the battle of good, the light, and the darkness of evil rages on. We saw it on Christmas Day in the bombing, evil lives. Someday there's going to be a great battle and God will destroy all evil. But today God has a plan that involves us. We need to take that light to the world with the love and the truth of God calling people to follow God Almighty, Yahweh. And when God's plan finally ends, then you and I will be in eternal life. And we're going to see this river flowing from God's throne and from the Lamb, Christ Jesus, down through the middle of the great city, the great new city of Jerusalem, God's holy city. On each side of the river, there's going to stand the trees of life. And they're going to bear the fruit. The fruit from the Garden of Eden is now in eternity. And that tree is going to bring healing to all nations. How do I know this is God's plan? Jesus, who testifies to these things, says, yes, it's true. I'm coming soon. Amen. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we thank you that we see in your scriptures that you had a plan. Even when Adam and Eve turned their back on you and hid from you, you promised them a Savior. 
and in the fullness of time at just the right moment. You put that plan into action. In the babe of Bethlehem, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, our Savior. And so we can say that the grace of the Lord Jesus will, be all, will always be with God's people. Help us, Lord Jesus, to go out into this world and be the light, your light, and follow your ways, growing closer to you each and every day. And all God's people said,